Welcome to Radio Survivor, the sound of strong communities. My name is Eric Klein. On the podcast this week, Jennifer Waits and I have had our imaginations captured by a marketing campaign for a big-budget television series. They call it Resistance Radio, and it's broadcasting 24-7 from an alternative universe where pirate radio is the only place free speech survives on the dial. And we have an interview on Radio Survivor today with one of the primary creators behind the project. Here's a virtual band scan of Resistance Radio, and then we'll jump right into the interview. Welcome back. This is Miss Evangeline sending out my messages on this here Resistance Radio, the finest pirate network you will find in this rotting carcass of what used to be the United States. Broadcasting from a mildewy shack, I spend a lot of time on the move. Avoiding capture can be a full-time gig for us Resistance Radio types. A lot of wigs, a lot of fake beef. Which means it's time to read some fake news. As usual, I have here several major newspapers. So we're here on the podcast today with Steve Colson, who is the creative lead on the Resistance Radio Project at Campfire. Thanks for joining us today. Oh, nice to be here. And we've got Eric here as well. Hello. Yeah, Steve, Hello. We're, we're real excited. Jennifer uh, is my Facebook friend who alerted me to your project. I think I might have like almost known that it was happening because it was getting so much social media buzz. But but when Jennifer enthusiastically uh, posted about it, I, I, I tuned in and it was... Uh, it was a, a very pleasant surprise. I shared it with my son. Oh, fantastic. Fantastic. Yeah. How old is he? He's 10 years old, uh, turning 11. Oh, great. He's like, is well, this that's... real? I was like, what do you think? Do you think it's real? Uh, is it real? That's a good question, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, my daughter, actually, I was listening to Resistance Radio nonstop when I found it, and my daughter was just like, can you stop? This is driving me crazy. Um, so... We need to introduce it, but I guess for me, I I think I saw it as a Google alert about pirate radio, and I went to see what it was and clicked on a link, and suddenly I had all these interesting 60s-era sounds and DJ voices from afar and Morse code and number stations, and it took me a while to actually find out that this was really a promotional campaign for a television show. So maybe maybe you can tell us what was the creative assignment? What is Resistance Radio? Well, um, let's go back a little bit. This is a project that's set in the world of Man in the High Castle, which is a show on Amazon Prime Video. If you're an Amazon Prime member, you can stream two seasons of been out so far. So there's 20 episodes based on a book by Philip Dick and uh, set in a world where the Axis powers won the war, won the Second World War in 1945. Um, and the show is set in 1962, so some 17 years later. And most of the world is split between uh, the Germans, the Nazis, uh, have a vast empire called the Greater Nazi Reich, which extends across most of America. The Japanese run the west coast of America, um, and between the two, there's a, a DMZ, a, a, a neutral zone, that neither are controlling. 
And um, from that zone, there is a, a kind of a disorganized resistance movement uh, trying to reclaim America. Uh, and that's, that's the show. It's a, it's a quality drama, kind of dystopian. Um, uh, and I say there's two seasons now. So yes, there, there's my plug to and, go tune in. And I'm just going to say terrifyingly well-timed because, I mean, Philip K. Dick wrote this book in the 60s. Um, uh, the, you know, uh, <laughs> the fascists, uh, uh, a fascist uh, takeover of the United States was um, – was was a cute imaginative product or uh, project as opposed to we, more of a uh, urgent. Yeah, we well, uh, have to be very fear. careful how we talk about this project, right? In terms of because you know we want to we want. Yeah. The show <laughs> Sorry to about that. Appeal <laughs> to both sides of the political aisle. Uh, you know, Philip Dick's book is is a warning about how easy it is for the fascists within us to come out given the given the right set of circumstances, you know, in, 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 in those situations where an oppressor takes over and, and installs an authoritarian regime, we all like to think that we would rebel and resist and be brave. But Philip Dick's story kind of says, no, in most, most cases, you would just kind of go along with it and, and just look after yourself and your family and, and keep your head down and almost yeah. live in, in defeat. And that's yeah. what kind of the book is about. Um, and the show is exploring. It's very interesting because when you when you hear about the show, you think it's actually when you understand that the Nazis are running America. Uh, it takes a moment to realize that it's not German Nazis; it's, it's American Nazis. They're all you know. Some of the high ranking officials were American soldiers during the war, and they, as we say in the radio broadcast, they've all um, discovered they're in a Nazi. Hmm. So t- mm. tell us about this radio universe that you guys. Uh, constructed. It's vast. It's a whole real place. Sure, sure. Well, um, Resistance Radio imagines um, broadcasts emanating from the neutral zone. Um, it's a mixture of audio, drama, and original music being put out by three different DJs. Three DJs at the moment. Hopefully, we'll expand in the future to more DJs. Um, each with a very unique point of view, each with their own show. Um, Resistance Radio is not uh, an established radio station. It's not commercial radio. Um, if it w- was, I'm sure, you know, the authorities would triangulate and, and bomb that sucker. So it's kind of lone individuals with portable rigs that uh, they are moving from safe house to safe house on a regular basis to keep one step ahead of the authorities. They're almost like amateur broadcasts, although we are mixing music and dialogue for, for narrative reasons. But imagine the, these kind of soul rebels putting out their message of resistance to, to anyone who will listen. I guess it's the 1962 version of, of Facebook and Twitter, right? It's, it's the one way they can get their message of, of rebellion out to whoever's listening across America. So do you imagine these three DJs, are they in different locations? Absolutely. I think the three DJs don't actually know each other, maybe haven't met each other. <laughs> you know, um, uh, when they talk about terrorist cells, they talk about how their information is compartmentalized and nobody knows the other. I think it's a little bit like that resistance radio. So if one gets caught, they can't give away the others. Um, 
but yeah, it's a it's a, a soul lonely existence. And I think maybe these resistance DJs don't even know if anybody's listening. And and all of the DJs talk about that at, at one point, not knowing if they have a listenership, but they're just kind of turning on their mic and talking into the night. And how did you guys decide that you wanted to use the idea of of radio as a way to promote the show? Well, it, it's a very interesting challenge. Um, uh, I work for a company called Campfire, and our stock in trade is launching TV shows and entertainment franchises and new products. So often the client will come to us to say, we have this new show launching, um, we need to get some buzz or conversation going in advance of the premiere. We want people to, to talk about it, to think about it, to the press to cover it. So that's our stock in trade, really, creating, creating online conversation through kind of quality, immersive experiences. We've worked with HBO, and we've worked with Netflix, and we've worked with, you know, a lot of the cable channels as well as some retailers. Um, this is a really different time for television at this point um, because, you know, Amazon Prime are a fairly new contender in the, in, the, in the market. They have a very unique kind of proposition. When they launch a show, all those 10 episodes are available online at once. You can watch. Um, there's no season, if you like. Um, so it's a, so rather than just kind of drive a lot of anticipation in advance of a premiere to tune in, and those and those marketing campaigns tend to happen for a few weeks prior to to sure. episode one, and then go away and then disappear. Amazon are taking much more the long view. How can we keep people interested in uh, Man in the High Castle all year round? We want to create ongoing content for fans that have watched all the shows and want to explore the story world more. Right. But we also want to bring in new audiences, continually new audiences. Every day is premiere day. So what can we can create that's a little bit more evergreen, that's not just a piece of marketing, but is more... They came to us very specifically and asked for a transmedia concept. And by that I mean um, part marketing, part story world explanation, part tie-in. So it's all those things kind of combined. So it really is an official part of the Man in the High Castle universe. We yeah. work really closely with uh, the showrunners, Dan Percival, the writers, uh, as well as the marketing team and all the promotions team inside uh, Amazon to make this to bring this to life. Wow! And do they have um, a radio storyline on the series? They do. Now that's very interesting, actually, because we they have, Amazon approached us last year in the middle of last year. I think it was like May, June, with just a, an open-ended brief. What can we do? What can we do? What can we uh, create something set in this world that's not too dark? I mean, that was one of the conversations we had. It's a very dark subject, right? America that's run by the Nazis and the Japanese, and the Japanese are shooting people in the streets, and, and the Japanese, and, 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 you know, the Nazis have, have wiped out whole communities and whole people, as you would expect the Nazis would. It can be a very dark story, but yeah. at the heart of, heart of Man in the High Castle, there's a lot of hope. There's, these, there, there's ordinary Americans trying to resist, either, either kind of violently with physical resistance or just kind of mentally in their hearts. And how can we bring some of that hope into this? So that was the challenge. Can we create something that has some hope in it? 
And so we, we kind of focused on the resistance. What can we do with the resistance? And, and you know, I think uh, resistance across history, the last, you know, 50, 60 years, resistant movements have used radio as a form of, of rebellion um, from, you know, counterculture. You will find that in oppressive regimes, counterculture kind of flourishes, art, music, uh, discussion, um, so that, that seemed a really good match. We, we pitched that idea to the marketing team who loved it so much, they asked us to go and talk to the showrunners uh, at Scott Free, Ridley Scott's company. Uh, and when they heard the idea, they loved it so much, they then went and wrote it into the show. So the answer, to your, awesome. question, <laughs> the answer to your question is that, yes, season two, which uh, came out in December, has Resistance Radio, Resistance Radio Station in there and in as multiple plot points. There's a really nice clip where they're sitting in a van listening to Resistance Radio. One of the characters tells the other, this is a reminder of what we're fighting for. Wow. But that, wow. Was, that was inserted after we'd pitched the idea and really as a, uh, to foreshadow what was to come a couple of months after season two came out, kind of set it up. And I, that's the first in my career, actually, having the TV show kind of foreshadow the transmedia extension rather than the other way around. That's amazing. Hey, and this, this radio station that you've created, this resistance radio that's streaming on the internet as we speak, yeah. um, I've never heard it repeat. Can we pull back the curtain and talk about how much yeah, content yeah. you've created and wh- where it? What yep, it's can. amazing. Yeah. It's it sounds like you're listening to a, a live radio broadcast anytime you turn it on. So it's designed that way specifically. I mean, we we had a lot of discussions about whether this was a podcast or whether it was a radio right. broadcast. All right. This is a this is a little unusual. It's not kind of up on SoundCloud. It doesn't have a scrub bar. You can't start at the beginning and, and, and go and kind of listen to it in parts. It's a, it's four hours of audio drama, <sighs> um, which doesn't sound like that much, but it, it still is a piece of marketing <laughs> and, and, you know, and, and, with most pieces of marketing, if you get somebody to engage for five to ten minutes, you're doing a really great job, and we're getting people to listen to this thing for hours. Um, so it's four hours. You can sit down and listen to the beginning and the end. You would you would have a four-hour show, um, uh-huh. mixture of of narrative, original drama, and music, original music, and we can talk about both those things in a moment. Um, and then you just you go to the site. There's a, there's a website which is a different experience on desktop or on mobile. If you go yes. to, I love if you go on your phone, it, it's like a portable radio in your hand. If you go to the desktop, it's like a, a, a physical or old-fashioned radio um, set. Um, and you can also listen to it, uh, uh, the stream on iHeartRadio. Hmm. Uh, and you can also play it via Amazon Alexa on your Echo. Uh, through iHeartRadio. So there are multiple places you can kind of listen to this. Um, but the, the idea is, yes, the idea is that you can listen to it as you would radio. Uh, you can turn it on at any point. We've written these segments to kind of work the way radio stations work. So the DJ will come back from a from a song and kind of reintroduce the station and let you catch up. So it's not a four-hour story. It's it's four hours of short stories interspersed between music, original music. So I, when I initially ran across it, it was on desktop. 
and then and then I looked at it on my phone and I was amazed because it was a totally different experience with you know I could dial between stations and then radio nerd friends I count myself as a radio nerd too but um some other even nerdier friends alerted me that there was there were number stations on there and Morse code so can you can you reveal some of the hidden items that you can find on mobile uh, well, you can you can find them both. You can also find those on the desktop. If you go to the um, either version, if you go to the desktop, you'll find that there are three preset channels. But you can also tune the knob, and you can move between those stations. And in the uh, in the spaces between the three uh, broadcasts, uh, you will find some hidden, as you say, some hidden Easter eggs. Yes. If if puzzles are your thing, and you're right, there is there are Morse code. Uh, there is a couple of number stations, and if you translate the numbers, one one number station is in German, one number station is in Japanese, <laughs> and they both have hidden messages within. Um, and they're fairly easy to spot. There are also some other puzzles hidden within <laughs> a couple of the radio shows themselves. Oh, how exciting! That nobody's found yet. Actually. Oh wow! I was gonna I was gonna joke that you can just go to Reddit. Probably in the future, in the near future, someone on Reddit will have. Uh, I think somebody on Reddit has found the the number station. Yeah, <laughs> all all mysteries have been solved by other nerds. That's my experience. If, if you're so too I lazy, give, I can give you a hint. There's a character called Evangeline. I mean, we shouldn't get too much into the puzzles because the puzzles really are at least rakes, but they're exciting. Fans and people that like alternate reality games. They're not. It's not a deep puzzle and. You know, I think the, the greatest thing about when, when you put puzzles into these kind of things is to hide them well enough that if you're not into puzzle, it doesn't distract you. You don't yeah. feel like you're missing out. And certainly that's the case here. You absolutely don't. These puzzles are just a little bit of fun extra. Um, but Miss Evangeline is one of the characters. You'll notice that um, every time she announces the station she's frequent, she's on, the frequency changes. Huh. Oh. Numbers, ah, good one. But you have to listen to all the whole show to kind of figure what that out. And then if you listen to Bob Montes, who's another character, he has some very um, unusual turns of phrase occasionally. Wow, so it's uh, very, very embedded radio drama, very juicy yes. tidbits. Um, uh, wow. So talk more about the – well, I, I don't know. Jennifer, do you have somewhere you want to take us? Because I – I'm already, I'm all fired up. Oh, no, go. Yeah, yeah I want to, I would love to hear more about the creative process of generating uh, this four hour uh, radio drama world. I'm really, um, I'm shocked that it's original music. I just assumed you found a uh, uh, cop, you know, uh, uh, public domain 60s music that wasn't that popular and, and, and mixed it in. So that that part's amazing. Uh, talk talk about building this uh, building okay. this project, building this radio yeah. show. Sure. So when we when we came up with the idea of a radio station, I think initially it was going to be more of a commercial radio station. Mm. From the 60s, we, we looked back, we listened to some of those Wolf and Jack recordings. We kind of thought about, you know, a station that had faux advertising and jingles and was a little bit more like you'd expect a commercial radio station from the 60s. Um, I remember a, 
a series of albums called Cruising Albums that were put out in the 70s, actually, that featured 60s DJs and then songs. It was kind of a compilation thing. So that's where we started, but it didn't feel quite right tonally, and we realised that the, that the resistance would be a lot scrappier. So we... We took it right down to almost amateur broadcasters, but still we thought the music was really important, even though possibly uh, pirate radio broadcasters wouldn't necessarily broadcast music. I do think that that you know that concept of a reminder of what you're fighting for and music being a, a, an expression of rebellion, mm. especially in this world where rock and roll doesn't really exist. I mean, uh, all the things that spawned rock and roll, uh, gospel music essentially black music would be banned by the Nazis, if you can only imagine that. So this is a world where Elvis Presley probably didn't happen. This is a world where the Beatles probably didn't happen. But that's not to say that in bars and underground speakeasies, there are are young people getting together with instruments and trying to make music. So that was kind of how we justified the music. From a practical level, You know, there are some people that really love podcasts and audio drama and some people that just don't. And for those people, I thought, we talked about it and we said, well, you know, if we include some music, music is another, is a great way into storytelling. So there's audio drama if you love audio drama and and music in between and only short segments you kind of have to listen to to get to the next piece of audio drama. Or if you're really into the music, you can you can hear these 18 original tracks um, with with two or three minutes of storytelling in between before the next music piece starts. So I think there's something for everybody here. Mm. Um, so that was the idea, and the idea would be that we would take. Um, Songs that people knew, cover versions of 40s, 50s, and 60s songs, but re-record them with contemporary artists, up-and-coming kind of alternative indie artists, uh, new versions uh, that that maybe have followings online already. Ah. (laughs) Wider audiences again. It's all about, you know, with this kind of project is how do you get multiple different types of communities kind of interested in, in, in what you're creating. So that was the concept. We, um, uh, the, the head of Amazon uh, uh, Studios Music, Bob Bowen, uh, and uh, Gary Calamon is the music supervisor from the show, and myself, we sat together and we, we brainstormed a playlist. Uh, and then, then you need to bring a producer on board. You know, look for a top-class producer, somebody who can who can make it happen. Work with a record label, uh, secure all the rights to all that, those uh, existing tracks, and then and then bring a stable of artists along. And then we were really lucky to get um, Danger Mouse as the producer. There you go. So all this music is been Danger Mouse and Sam Cowan, who's a fantastic uh, uh, musician. To Danger Mouse and uh, Sam Cowan, working with his record label, 30th uh, Century, came to the fore as as the producers of the music. And that point, I kind of said, I have Danger Mouse. I don't need to. All I need to do is now wait for the music to come in. Wow. <laughs> we- you get an expert like that involved. And so Danger Mouse brought in a lot of his collaborators. Uh, with Sam Cowan, they, they, they got a session band uh, to record all of the tracks and then pulled all these original artists in to record versions of the song. So 
Beck recorded a track, Nora Jones recorded a track, um, Chambonet and Granddaddy, Shins. Uh, <laughs> uh, it's pretty amazing. It's pretty amazing. The music is haunting. Yeah, it's very good. I'm I'm just really uh I'm so impressed that you guys um took now what clearly I'm hearing you describe is um a major artistic project, a well-funded artistic project, and then when it was done, it still sounds um uh legitimately uh cheap, but beautiful and well, and real. <laughs> Well, real, authentic. Yeah, right, is the I meant I meant all of those as compliments <laughs> to me because it doesn't come across as a slick commercial product. It doesn't come across as as a trailer or an advertisement for this show. It comes across as a very authentic uh, radio experience. So the the music itself, um, just to geek out a little bit, the music was recorded with period instruments and period microphones. Ridiculous, and then so they beautiful. went. And when they mixed the music, they then pressed the master to vinyl <laughs> and then remastered off vinyl to get the sound of dynamic range from the period. Yeah. And then obviously they provided that as digital to us. But then when we took it into the studio, we were also adding needle drops and things into the into the right. soundtrack. So it sounds like these DJs are putting these <laughs> these forty five discs on as they as they talk. Yeah. Well, at one point, I hear it. One one final plug for the music. It's coming out as an album. Resistance Radio, Man in the High Castle, uh, the first week in April. So you can pre-order that. That's great. I was going to say, at at one point in the broadcast, I heard a DJ playing something backwards on vinyl, too. Yes. So adding to the legitimacy of it. So we can talk um, about the drama now, if you like. So you're right. The, the idea was that we'd have three different points of view. Um, specifically, we would focus on um, uh, characters that wouldn't probably have a voice within the show. It gave us a room to expand. Um, the kind of people that would have fled the Greater Nazi Reich mm. to, um, to hang out in the neutral zone, those were the cause, those were the reason, a reason to rebel. Um, so we have a um, we have a Jewish comedian who fled New York, who had a radio show in New York, um, and fled ahead of the Nazis when they when they invaded, when when the paratroopers came in and fled to the neutral zone, and he's doing his show from the neutral zone and trying to bring a little bit of that kind of fifties comedy to the world. And comedy is very hard to do in a world that's run by the nazis um but he's doing a he's doing a comedy show um there is a conspiracy theorist hispanic conspiracy theorist um who is modeled after a lot of conspiracy theorists you might hear broadcasting today um who believes there are some shadowy things going on at the heart of this empire and he's and it's difficult to tell whether he's right or he's wrong. Some of his wild goose chases may actually be true. And then uh, our final DJ is uh, an African-American jazz singer who once toured with Louis Armstrong's uh, All Stars. And she escaped and she fled to the neutral zone and she is talking about, she's kind of the voice of hope on our on our radio show she talks about jazz she talks about blues she talks about america what america was what it what it should be again 
um, her, her broadcast is very passionate and very um, soul-stirring. So people, myself included, have gotten really drawn into these DJs and the storyline. And I've seen, I've seen requests from people about, is this going to turn into a podcast? Is there going to be more? So what is, what can you tell us about the future? Well, at the uh, moment, Resistance Radio, uh, Resistance Radio at resistanceradio.com uh, exclusively has the songs uh, and the performances uh, until the album comes out. Um, it will continue broadcasting for the rest of the year. We are currently looking at making available in podcast format. Uh, later in the year, mm. but but it's only been out two weeks. We've had a fantastic. We've, wow. we've had well, we've had a very <laughs> wow. interesting response in the last two weeks. I can tell you, we can talk a little bit about that. But um, yeah, it's only been out two weeks, and there are various. You know, we want this thing to be evergreen, and and there are there are various kind of um, fan generated uh, uh, events coming up. New York Comic Con, uh, the San Diego Comic Con, that. Hopefully, we'll do some more stuff around to uh, to continue the, the flame burning. Um, so, yes, I think it will be a podcast at a later point. But at the moment, I'm kind of enjoying it being a, a, a radio station that you have to tune into and listen to. And tell us a little yeah. bit about you were, you were revealing uh, in our little pre-interview moments that uh, there was a time where you guys were fantasizing about, about broadcasting uh, these signals out on the airwaves. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, I do. I actually think the show might have been broadcast uh, in in certain markets by our heart radio. It's connection oh. to our heart radio. Um, we did look at, uh, you know, we looked at um, in my initial pitch deck. We talked about trying to find an, a, a transmitter, an offshore transmitter, and broadcasting out on shortwave. We talked about. Because we also did, uh, there was also a, a resistance radio uh, installation at South by Southwest, and we talked at one point about having short wave, uh, 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 short range FM transmitters broadcasting from resistance radio headquarters, so you could tune in. But then, obviously, you know, you have to kind of have a radio um, uh, on you to tune into it's that okay. thing. So that's something we could look at in the past. I mean, I love the idea of actually having a radio and tuning into it that's and fun. listening to this thing, but. Unfortunately, radio is is not something everybody has these days. Oh, don't get us started! Uh, not on this podcast. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, in your car, in your car, surely. But uh, no, no, no. It's, but we would. We'll also complain about how um, uh, it's. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm going there. The, every every smartphone has an FM receiver inside of it, but they've turned it off in the United States. Right. We've covered this way too many times. So we all could have radios if we only we were free. Um, I'm sorry, I'm. Uh, <laughs> well, I, love the, I love the concept of broadcasting it over the airwaves, but it just felt that it wasn't for the time and effort we we're going to put into that. Yeah, uh, it was better spent making it as as accessible on as many digital platforms I, as possible. I, one has to wonder though if you're not going to inspire some uh, fiery millennial to uh, to go into pirate pirate broadcasting <laughs> for their first their first time. Um, I'm just going to speculate. I'm just who knows. Uh, they can link up with them. So- um, with a radio survivor. That's right. So some of you, you got some press because there were people who apparently thought this was a real radio station. Was that yeah. a surprise to you? <laughs> um, well, I, it, it would be wrong to say that it was planned that way. However, you know, our, 
Canva's a little bit different than usual advertising on marketing agencies. We tend not to use paid media or paid advertising to put banner ads out in front of people, to do TV spots, to to interrupt people. So I think it's very annoying and aggravating, and that's not the way to build loyal fan bases. You want to create a piece of content that's so compelling that people invite it into their lives. So that's what we specialize in, and we come from filmmaking backgrounds. My co partner was one of the guys that created the Blair Witch Project. Uh-huh. Um, so, that, so that's our heritage, and that, that speaks to kind of making this thing sound real and authentic because that was at the heart of everything that we do, and, and it kind of stems from that Blair Witch experience yeah the the performances of the djs are incredible because uh it's it's just very good acting they're not reading but yet they are saying all their lines very well it's it's really a good show thank you thank you thank you i uh, yeah we work with a you know a fantastic team of actors and directors pull this together um but to go back to the response that you got well um uh, i i guess a lot of people heard of resistance radio and resistance is a loaded phrase yeah and and uh and uh conservatives republicans thought that uh, calling something resistance radio meant it was anti-trump um because the resistance is a phrase i guess that's been 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 seized by by the democrats um to to protest yes it's a hashtag it's a hashtag and we actually we ran a promoted hashtag um uh, about four or five days in. Right. So as soon as you get on Twitter, that's the right. that's the territory where where confusion right. reigns. Right. So a lot of people saw the promoted tweet about resistance radio and immediately thought it was something that it wasn't and complained about it, which was followed almost immediately by a whole bunch of other people trying to explain that it wasn't it isn't what you think it is. It's a book written in the 60s. <laughs> yes, it's, a, it's about anti-Nazis. It's anti-Nazi, not anti, not anti you know. The book white. was written in Berkeley. Um, Sorry. But then I think then there was a whole conversation that came up about, well, what does it say if you think an anti-Nazi station is about your politics? Where does that... So it became a whole debate. And it was covered. And you can go and find the articles that came out on... Uh, io9 and av club and this all blew up on washington post and all blew up really in a day i sat and watched it blow up in a day and at that point it's completely out of control um and 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 i uh, and it would be wrong to be wrong to say because you know our stock in trade is creating conversation quality discourse and from that initial burst of of outrage came a lot of listeners who and then i saw over the next few days the conversation transformed to it isn't what i thought it is but holy heck when i listen to this thing it's really great and started to talk about the quality of of the drama as well so i think it's one of those cases where where uh no publicity is is bad, bad, there's no such thing as bad publicity. Sure. Right. So. And that, that's so also... We definitely spread the word dramatically over that, over that first weekend, which really helped springboard this thing. And it, it makes sense. The, the fact that you didn't fall into the, the, the bad version of that tale was because of the quality of the work, right? So no one, no one then tuned in and was upset. Yeah, I don't... Yes. And is it... Is Resistance Radio political... No, it's not. It's not about current politics. But 
Yeah, then again, you know, Miss Evangeline talks a lot about what America was and what America's become. She talks about a, a divided nation that's betraying the ideals of the founding fathers. It talks about, you know, how can you how can you base a country uh, on a document that enshrines, you know, the rights of everybody equally and then base a society on inequality? So I think there are lots of parallels as all great fiction, all great historical fiction uh, or speculative fiction. There are parallels to what's going on across the world today with, with increasingly divided points of view. There's no middle ground anymore. It's either, you know, there's no, that's why the, the craziness happens. There's no middle ground. There's just extremes. And I think she does talk about that and about, about, about making about America should become a whole nation rather than a divided nation. So I definitely think, and when we wrote it, we absolutely thought about, we were writing this script during the election mm. and, and during, uh, during that period. So it, it absolutely um, uh, infiltrated our script, some of the things that we wanted to say. But I don't think it's, it's right-wing or left-wing politics. It's, it's just, I think it's all about we have to be we have to be careful as the book says we have to be really careful about the rise of fascism and dictatorship uh for other in otherwise democratic society and i think that's something that both sides of the aisle should worry about <laughs> sorry <laughs> How does I was, that, sound? that was great i want i wanted to let jennifer speak i also uh um, I'm glad you had a chance to, yeah, because that's actually how I how I first heard about the project right before Jennifer's um, super fandom was made clear to me was uh, through the through the Twitter controversy. So, uh, no such thing as bad publicity. Yeah, I think. It's, but you know, if pol- politics is not your thing. There's some great music. There's a comedian. <laughs> there's a conspiracy theorist. Conspiracy theorist talks about you know UFOs over Groom Lake, and he yeah. talks about you know archaeological digs to uncover ancient relics, and he talks about keiju monsters and Japanese uh, movies. Uh, there's a there's a whole lot of fun pop culture stuff in this podcast. Listen to yeah, and, yeah, and at one point, at one point, he plays one of the one of the songs backwards and discovers hidden messages. Uh, in the back masking of the of the record, so all the things that that conspiracies theorists you know love to talk about is kind of here within this show. It definitely seems like a radio fan project, project too. too. Absolutely, absolutely. Pop culture, fan of pop culture. I think you know if you want to, if you want to. Facebook has made us all fans, right? Facebook has created a, a nationwide or a worldwide fan community. Fan, com- fan communities used to be something that happened in bulletin boards and in kind of deep re- and Usenet and IRC and all those very kind of hardcore places. But, but Facebook has turned us all into fans. You know, if you like a show, you can get on and you can talk about the show. And a, and a little enclave will congregate around that. So the rise of fan culture over the last five years, I absolutely believe is directly connected to social media and specifically Facebook uh, and Instagram. And uh, So everything we do has a strong element of, of that of that culture within it. So, so you'll find everything from the music subjects they talk about uh, resonates with a lot of things that, that we all love, whether it be, you know, 
conspiracies or, or um, science fiction or historical drama or um, protest movements. There's a lot going on in this show. One of the other neat things about it uh, is just the um, uh, pushing the quality of, of podcast radio drama because I think a lot of I mean, it's all being it's all being done by people with passion and love and no money and no so so to actually hear something of cinematic quality, but uh, for the radio uh, for the radio ear is really fun. For me, I guess the the really nice thing, just personally, in terms of stroking my ego, mm-hmm. is so many people have compared this to War of the Worlds. Yeah. Exactly. Ah. Um, um, we talked a lot about War of the Worlds early on. And in fact, Bob Montez mentions War of the Worlds in his broadcast, right. specifically as the call out to Orson Welles. In fact, there were two things, two references um, that, that I talked to my team about here. One was Orson Welles' War of the Worlds. And the other was Jeff Wayne's War of the Worlds, because I just thought that was a really interesting, I don't know if you know that album, but it's kind of a mixture of, of music and drama, tells huh. the story of the War of the Worlds. Um, so, you know, they were both references, and, and it, was, and it was, so many of the articles kind of talked about a modern War of the Worlds, and I think that, that was, oh, that's, a, that's a high bar to try and, try and hit. Yeah, thank you so much. I I'm just enthralled with this project. So, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it's been a real labor of love. Um, and I, of all the projects I've worked on, this is this is definitely my favorite. So I'm glad people are responding to it and liking. It. And you're right, there is a lot of audio podcasts out there, like Night Vale and some of those. Right. That, that, that's some really good work. I think I do think the fact that we set this as a radio station meant that we could achieve a level of authenticity. One of the things <laughs> I've talked about this for hours. One of the things at Campfire we talk, I talked to my team about is thinking like a forger in a lot of our presentations we do that we start with we don't think like a, an artist don't think like a designer think like a forger so how can you create something that passes the sniff test because because you know often you can try to emulate something but not get it quite right and when you when it doesn't smell right when it doesn't pass the sniff test it breaks immersion so the only way to make something very immersive is to get it as on point as possible which is the thing about the music sounding like it comes from vinyl and the DJs talking like they're they're you know sounding like they're real DJs um, authenticity more than any other technology VR any of those things being being authentic in your in your text is what creates total immersion well cool Thank you so much for giving us more of the inside scoop on Resistance Radio. No, my pleasure. So that was Steve Coulson of Campfire, and we are so excited. I really enjoyed that interview. Jennifer, thank you so much for setting that up. Oh, sure. I Did he really say it's only been out for two weeks? It feels like, <laughs> it feels like years because I've already enjoyed resistance radio so much in the short time that it's been out yeah, resistance radio.com in case we didn't mention it uh such so, a wonderful yeah. podcasting radio lover yeah such um i guess we you and i uh, you and i talked about that on our own time we didn't we didn't really uh, uh dig into that with steve just how much it reminds us of listening to radio uh in that way well, yeah. that, that makes us feel uh, young at heart well, and on the mobile 
when you go to resistance radio on mobile, you can actually dial a transistor radio and you hear static between the stations. Aww. So you definitely have that feeling of tuning into radio. So, so yeah, it was really lovingly put together. It's a fun escape into this alternate universe, sure. this whole other world, yeah. going back in time and into the future. <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's a very interesting, immersive experience, I and think. One, one wonders here on the Radio Survivor podcast with our Radio Survivor audience, if there's not a little bit of uh, hope that um, one or two people will bleed through this resistanceradio.com experience and get excited about turning on their own radio to see what's going on. Maybe they'll discover a low-power FM station in their neighborhood because of this project. Yes, there's interesting radio all around us. Yeah, you just have to um, wait a little while longer because the production values are a little lower. This Resistance Radio <laughs> project is 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 packed to the gills with content. It's all so good that you might uh, become impatient to hear some uh, juicy, uh, veiled uh, tidbit of of truth from your from your local DJ. They might only be back announcing the songs. Yes, there's always there's always some hidden truth and excitement. So. <laughs> just you just know. read between the lines. Just listen really closely to the radio. And I love the idea of um, yeah, conspiracy theory radio because I know uh, Paul Reese Mendel, uh, who friend of the show, Paul Reese Mendel. Paul Reese Mendel is not here uh, this week on the podcast, but he's in our hearts. Uh, he has a soft spot for uh, like um, the coast to coast. AM radio content. So I like that they they threw that sort of uh, that genre of radio is also included in this resistanceradio.com project. Oh yeah, and we didn't we didn't get a chance to ask, but you know, I would be curious if they were inspired by certain DJs. Mm. So oh, so many questions. Will, I know, that will remain a mystery for the moment. Yeah, just I'm I'm nerding out just on the whole concept of the project. How many how many writers sat down? How many producers? How many engineers? Uh, it's really incredible. Uh, and they found somebody to do Morse code, um, yeah. <laughs> you know, obviously, and and it has an actual message behind it. Sure. So. Well, you know, puzzles are big these days in the marketing world. Uh, the marketing people who market things for a living, and especially the really good ones, they're very well versed in the games and puzzles uh, community now. And so that's that's a that's a little tidbit that's not a non radio survivor fact <laughs> that I happen to know. Uh, well, yeah. So then that's a nice confluence. So you know, having Morse code and having number stations that actually have secret codes in them, it it satisfies us radio nerds, but also the the puzzle and Easter egg seekers as well. Yeah. Really. Well, thank you so much, Jennifer, for setting up that interview. Oh, how oh was, sure. We should. It's not on the podcast, but how was your trip? It was great. Yeah, I I had a whirlwind trip to Virginia, so I was not with you guys last week, but I was presenting at a college radio symp symposium at University of Virginia, which was great. And then I saw nine radio stations. Wow. Um, wow. Wow. <laughs> because I'm insane. Sounds like it was a also a nicely. Uh, a densely packed radio community there in Virginia. 
Yes. Well, I mean, I did take a road. Tri- I did take some road trips. Um, so what was but, the, what's what's the one that blew your mind that that you let's tease it for the next for when you actually cover it in your uh, station tours in the weeks to come? Oh, well, every visit was amazing. But I walked into one station and a guy introduced himself to me as a fellow Haverford College graduate. So he had read up on me and it turns out we had both started in radio at the same college radio station at Haverford. Mm-hmm. So that was a delightful surprise. So he had some interesting, as an added bonus, I got some of his tales from right. Haverford radio history. Right. Because of all the radio histories that you're an expert in, uh, Haverford College's radio uh, history is, is pretty much what you're, um, that's, that's your jam. That's my jam, yeah. yeah, and it's you know never ending. So neat. It was fun to get his tales. What and then decade? As it turned what, out, what years was he there? He graduated in nineteen eighty-two. So you got you got the eighties scoop on Haverford College Radio. Yeah. Um, well, and beyond that, um, this guy had all kinds of fascinating radio history to tell me about um, related to Richmond, Virginia, which is where I met him. Um, including a mysterious radio station that appeared on cable television. So that's all I'll tell you, but it was a totally wild concept that just blew my mind. Huh. Oh, boy. And I will, and I will leave it at that. <laughs> I also happen to be able to promise uh, that, that we'll have sound from that conference on future episodes of the podcast. Oh, very good. Yes. Yeah. It was recorded. What kind so. of um, – what kind of – great stuff did you hear at the conference um so there were a number of us giving sort of formal ish presentations and then and then we had more collaborative discussions as the day progressed um and we also saw some college radio documentaries at lunchtime which was amazing um laura schnicker who's my partner on the um Radio Preservation Task Force. We we focus on college, community, and educational radio. Neat, a project she of the a Library great, of Congress. Right. She gave a, a great presentation about uh, preservation and archiving for college radio stations that was very um, pragmatic, and a lot of folks came up to her afterwards to get her contact information because they wanted to do projects at their stations. Oh, great. So that always makes me really happy. Um, there were... People from, I think, eight different college radio stations from Virginia in attendance. So it ended up being this really amazing chance for people participating in college radio in Virginia to connect with each other. And and I kind of joked about, you know, I think this might be the first meeting of the Virginia College Radio Association, you know, because I was like trying to sort of encourage that. And um and I think within within moments, somebody in the crowd had set up a Facebook page for the Virginia College radio station. <laughs> so um, I think it's a great – I love these these more sort of grassroots events where people don't have to spend a lot of money and they can just meet up with other people doing college radio. So Sure, and when, um, it's, when it's so regional, it also gives these um, – you know, smaller colleges a chance to shine. Yeah. So, so to me, that was, that was one of my favorite, favorite moments was seeing people coming together 
And, and I think a number of the students are going to meet up with each other at this event called Mac Rock in Harrisonburg, Virginia, which is a DIY music festival that actually originally started at the college radio station there at James Man- Madison University. Now it's an independent organization, but um, it still has some close ties to the college radio station there. So apparently a lot of these college radio kids are going to meet up at Mac Rock and hang out and just makes me really happy. Yeah. Strengthen their college radio communities and the ties between them. That's, that's what you're here for. (laughs) Yeah. So, so it was fun, inspiring, an inspiring trip. And I think I'm going to try to get a lot of my field trip reports posted early. (laughs) Uh, Jennifer, thank you so much for making this episode of radio survivor a really good one. Uh, that was exciting. So many um, so many intersections and so many crossovers in this one. I love radio and popular culture. Uh, so some of the favorite articles that I've written for Radio Survivor are about radio appearing on TV. So this whole resistance radio thing is just right up my yeah. right so up my alley. I didn't want to do this to Steve during the interview because I've I'm a Philip K. Dick nerd and I read Man in the High Castle. Oh, but I haven't read it for twelve years. So I read it I read it something like thirteen years ago when I was living in Berkeley, where Philip K. Dick uh, lived and and wrote. So lots of his books are <laughs> floating around the used bookstores there. And um. You know, Philip K. Dick lived in Berkeley in the 1960s. Then he listened to a lot of really cool radio. And so I don't know whether or not he wrote about uh, radio or pirate radio in Man in the High Castle. But now Ah. I I really want to find out. It was totally like because there's a really high possibility that he never once mentions the word radio in the text of the novel from the 60s. I didn't want to muddy the interview but if he did i mean i'm sure the guy i'm sure the guy was aware of kpfa's existence and uh, i'm sure somebody out there knows whether or not there were pirate radio stations there were certainly pirate radio stations in berkeley when i lived there uh 10 years ago i don't know if there were any in the uh, 60s you're gonna have to uh read the book again and report back I would, on a future episode. I would love to reread the book if it didn't uh, scare me down to the to the to my bones, and I need to uh, I need to have more joy and and worry less about about the Nazis taking over the United States of America. That's true. Well, we'll see. I, you know, on on the flip side, it was cool that a radio project being used to advertise the series ended up meaning that radio is getting integrated into the series. <laughs> incorporated into the series. Yeah, that's I thought remarkable. that was a crazy cool twist. It's kind of like uh you know, the dream that you have um as a marketer, right? That you come up with a cool marketing idea and then it actually gets into the the show that you're advertising. Yeah, and as somebody so, with deep roots in radio who just wants to see it relevant <laughs> moving forward, you know, wouldn't it be cool if somebody just stole this idea and tr- and you know and tried to get it done in a different you know and 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 uh, and put a different spin on it. But we just want to see more radio. There's not. There's really not a whole lot of radio um, in television storylines right now. Right. And you know, I occasionally I have 
I have TiVo and I'll do searches for radio. And often the things that come up are older television shows that maybe have an episode about, you know, somebody at a radio station. Yeah. Do you know what's ridiculous? Um, um, the, the only thing that pops into my mind is the Netflix series, um, uh, the Wet Hot American Summer prequel where in the movie Wet Hot American Summer, produced by members of the comedy troupe The State, uh, there's a camp radio station. Have you seen the oh, movie? Yeah. So no. there's, a, there's an ongoing gag in the movie, which is from uh, 20 years ago, I think. And in the, in the movie, one of the campers uh, uh, <laughs> excludes himself from the polite society is no doesn't doesn't take a shower doesn't have friends is locked all day long in the radio station on at on campus of the sleepaway camp that he is staying at and it's this uh it's this idea that i have to imagine is possible there had to be it's it's possible that there were camps in the 70s that had radio stations that were just uh you know low power radio stations for that camp community ha huh, we're gonna have to sleuth that out that's yeah but that's something i never thought about but in the netflix prequel and i can't remember it might it either happens in the movie or in the prequel um the the reveal spoiler alert is the um the microphones aren't even plugged in the kid's been sitting in a room by himself the entire uh season of camp just talking to himself and that was totally written by somebody who was a DJ at a place like my college where we could have done a show. You know, our main audience was in the cafeteria, and sometimes we would find out later that the cafeteria workers had turned off the speakers. Yeah. So, <laughs> like, sometimes you, you did a whole show and nobody heard it. So, yeah, I feel for those poor kids at camp. Yep, but that's, that's, that's also that's the, really sad. That's the podcaster's. <laughs> The podcaster's uh, nightmare as well as dream. I j- I'm I have a podcast that I'm putting a lot of effort into. That's not Radio Survivor. And uh, just yesterday on Facebook, somebody who I don't know said, "This is my new favorite thing," and that's just one person. And that that changed my life yesterday. <laughs> right, having one person say that they uh, had a having a strong reaction to the podcast, which sometimes feels like. I'm sitting in the living room just yelling into a microphone uh, and there's nobody out there. So it starts cool. with one listener. Yep. That's where it all begins. Jennifer, thanks so much for joining us today thank- on Radio Survivor. Thank you. My pleasure. Yeah, everybody should uh, consider giving to our Patreon page. Patreon.com slash Radio Survivor is a nice way to, to check in and say hello to us. Uh, drop a quarter in the tip jar. What else do we plug at the end? Oh, you can always email us, podcast at radiosurvivor.com. Anything else, Jennifer? That sounds good. I I just want to thank everybody who has donated to the Patreon because it definitely has helped cover some travel and it's helped us with equipment for our podcast. So every small donation really helps. Yeah, it's really really wonderful. Thank you for, for making that clear that we mean it and uh paul reese mendel will be back he's well he just uh, is busy 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 so he'll be back next week and uh, we thank him so much for everything he does for this podcast and for the radio survival project 
And uh, I'll say hi to Matthew, too, since now, why should we leave anybody out? Matthew Lazaro, it was so nice to have you on the podcast last week. And uh, thank you for everything you do for Radio Survivor. Okay, uh, that's all. See you next week. All right, bye. Bye Bye-bye.